Stories from California Cattle Country is produced by the California Cattlemen's Foundation and received support from the California Cattle Council. We've created this podcast for those wanting to connect with the people and practices of far-flung ranches and dairies throughout California through hearing stories from and learning more about families in cattle country. Stories of El Dorado. I just wanted to say that. The mythical El Dorado, the storage city of gold, was first imagined in the 16th century among the Spanish. The idea being that there was some remote civilization somewhere in the Americas where the tribal chief would coat himself in gold dust. This story, as many often do, evolved over time to include a place where precious stones and gold coins were abundant, free for the taking. After the Spanish conquered other parts of South America, finding many spoils, the legend grew. It was later found that native people in the area, the Musca, acquired their gold through trade and not from the earth. There's obviously more to this story, and I encourage listeners to explore it themselves. Now we're going to the other El Dorado, another story place, but with a more limited written history. The El Dorado in El Dorado County incorporated in 1856, and this El Dorado had gold. An important part of the storytelling from stories from California cattle country is about the state's rural communities, many of which are in disrepair, often gobbled up by urban sprawl. So I offer up this vignette of one of the few successes in the town of El Dorado. Now this may come off as a tangent, and it is, but I find that subject critical to small rural communities. Such communities are often small and old, often with infrastructure dating back a century. A while back, my restaurant group was asked to consider purchasing and operating a very old kitchen and bar in Sacramento, a place we all cherished and wished to preserve. The building was well over 100 years old and had some substantive structural issues. For instance, there was a hole in the floor behind the bar that a human could fall through into the basement. The owners at the time stacked up rubber floor mats many times to prevent any injuries. The equipment for cooking and refrigeration was uh, vintage, to say the least. Oftentimes, beloved legacy operations such as these are mostly left alone by county regulators and get willed in through inspections despite their number of like hand sinks or ADA accommodations meeting current standards. However, when a business like this changes ownership, all of that goodwill can and often does go out the window. Now, in the case of the business I was referencing, renovations would have easily exceeded $200,000, would have closed the business for months if not years. And would have turned a $3 Pabst beer to 6 or $7 just for the business to pencil out. And in doing so, destroying the nostalgia or vibe that made us love the spot in the first place. The point being, restoring historic and well-loved establishments like this, while preserving its character, isn't even remotely easy. In that sense, poor Reds and El Dorado beat the odds. Now, from the About Us section on their website, it reads this, Poor Reds is located in the town of El Dorado on Pleasant Valley Road at Highway 49. Originally constructed as a way station for Wells Fargo, it previously operated under the name Kelly's Bar from 1927 until 1945. Poor Red won the bar in the game of dice, and he and his wife, a bookkeeper, Rich Opal, took it. Now, Poor Red's is a barbecue spot with a menu that you would expect. Ribs, a burger, and of course steaks. The spot is famous and probably infamous for the drink that one of the bartenders created in 1952, the Golden Cadillac. As the story goes, a newlywed couple came into the restaurant and asked for the bartender to make a drink, inspired by their newly acquired Golden Cadillac vehicle. The bartender obliged creating a drink of equal parts Galliano, which is an Italian sweet liqueur, with notes of vanilla and anise, white cream de cacao, and heavy cream. Poor Red shuddered in 2012 to be resurrected by a development group along with late Sacramento restaurateur Randy Perigary in 2018. 
Factions of the ownership group were dubious about the venture. I mean, I would be too. At the time, it was a town of a few thousand residents. The building needed intensive repairs, and the business was dealing with a pile of liens. In this episode, we speak with rancher Tim Nielsen about El Dorado and his commitment to ranching almost 8,000 acres of the Sierra foothills in collaboration with the American River Conservancy in an effort to preserve aerial biodiversity of the Sierra Nevada oak woodland with cows. Now, this is a follow-up to our last episode where we spoke with Elena DeLacy from the aforementioned American River Conservancy where Tim's ranching operation is mentioned. In fact, it's celebrated. We met up at Bobby's Country Market, which is a few miles south of El Dorado on Highway 49. He told me that I recognize him because of the cowboy hat. Tim's truck was already in the parking lot. Tim sized up my tiny rental car and said, It's rocky, but you'll be fine. He led me a few more miles west on a street lined with private residences to a dead end, down a gravel road into El Dorado Ranch. That uh, silver uh, Ford thing. Oh, uh, okay. Well, I'm Ryan Donahue, and this is Stories from California Cattle Country. My name's Tim Nielsen. My uh, family came to El Dorado County in the 1870s, actually moved to our ranch. We, we run cattle. They moved to the ranch in the I know, like 1876. We uh, been there ever since doing doing that. We, my family didn't come here to to mine for gold, and then eventually got into the cattle business. They came here just to raise cattle. Uh, our ranch joins the American River Conservancy land or land that they're acquiring, and we've leased what the conservancy owns. Uh, we've kind of been through. Uh, let's see, with them, four different owners. They're the fourth owner. My dad started leasing it in 1970, so we're 53 years on this this land here that the Conservancy owns. And um, and we've been running cattle on it ever since. Can you tell me just, um, obviously it's a podcast, people can't see what we're looking at. Right now we're sitting in a truck in the shade looking at a beautiful landscape, but what kind of landscape is this? And does it, what are the benefits and difficulties of operating in, in this landscape? We're in the foothills of the Sierra Nevada uh, range, just up out of the, the Sacramento Valley, but we're, we're in El Dorado County. It's pretty rugged. To me, it's just land. <laughs> it's all I've ever known. But to other people, they come and they, oh, this is rough country. It's um, foothill country. It's some of it's pretty steep, some of it's not so bad. It's covered with uh, oak trees. You name it. It's it's got it. Some you rocks. Know, rocks. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of cover. A lot of open country. I guess you consider it rougher foothill country. Your family has been here for quite a while, right? I was reading something about it. Might be your like great great great-grandfather Magnus 
Is that right? Oh, you've been doing your homework. Um, um, but like, but that he developed a brand before he actually had cows. And do you yes. guys still use that same brand? Yeah. I can just explain it. Okay, I will real quick here. It's it, he was my great great grandfather. He's the one that came from Denmark, brought his family to here. And before he came here in Denmark, he was a merchant marine, and the brand was his initials, M N. We have the original branding iron today hanging on the wall and he would use it back then to brand his trunks on the ship or the load line they they called it on the ship to know where you know i don't know how to explain it but how it would settle and where the load line was he'd use it so anyways that's what we use today i'm gonna have to talk no, to there's you. no problem yeah, yeah. Oh, Bert. Yeah. I, I'm just doing doing an interview. <laughs> oh, give me an interview. Yeah. Everything okay? Everything looks good. Okay. As I'm putting some salt out. And... Okay. Yeah, I'm just... Oh, I'm sorry. I fouled no, you up. You didn't foul us up. No, no. I'm always not at all. When I see you, I'm always like. Okay, is everything okay? Is he gonna come and report something bad? <laughs> no, no, uh, everything everything looks good. Okay, thanks, Bert. Everything's real good. All right. We use the same brand. Actually, um, we have two registered brands, and one's a straight bar M N, and one has the original. It has just a little curl on the bottom of the bar you know, a little shape to it, but it's MN. And that was my great-great-grandfather's iron. And so he just used it to brand his cattle when he came here. We, and that's what we do. I read that the Forest Service actually named part of the... Oh, the, the allotment. The allotment the after, yeah, after your yeah. family. Yeah. Um, why do you think they did that? What was the reasoning behind that? As <laughs> simple as this, my mom requested it. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was originally where we take cows up to the mountains was originally the Morrison allotment. And that even back dates back to wagon train days coming down through. So my mom uh, lobbied here oh, some years back and, and said we've been here since 1935. I, I believe we've been there longer on that range than anybody else. So that, that's how it got its name, which that that allotment got completely burned up in the Caldor fire here in 21. We lost, uh, oh, I think we lost 92 or 93 head in that fire. It wasn't, it wasn't a cakewalk. In talking to Elena I, with the American River Conservancy, one of the stated benefits of having a rancher on property is not only the animals taking care of the land because they the grazing itself, yes. but also having some eyes on the ground. Can you just tell me, like, what do you do every day? <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> I get what you're asking there, and beings that we it isn't like we live somewhere else and we lease this ranch and we're you know we live maybe 45 miles away and we got the lease on this ranch and so once a week we i come myself or we have a hired man blow in dump dump a few blocks of salt out drive around check things and leave this this place is a whole a whole different ball game we actually it joins our ranch so we run it all as one our ranch would be the headquarters 
what we're looking at over there them buildings them old buildings the miller ranch that's that's kind of the headquarters for the lower end of the ranch which you know like i said the whole everything that we have is about 10 miles long what we do is every day i don't care what day it is it can be christmas day it can be the fourth of july or anything in between there's somebody on this place either there's one to four or five of us you know depends on what you're doing if you're not doing any real cattle work there's one like our our bert there that works for us he's constantly out like if there's no cattle work he's constantly out in his side by side hauling salt out and keeping an eye on things and if there's something wrong he sends us a text or a picture or calls us and says hey you know this is wrong and here we are this country is rough you can do a lot with four-wheelers check cows you know to to a certain extent do a lot of fence work with a four-wheeler haul salt out all, all that kind of thing but any cow work any real cow checking is done horseback simply because it has to be done that way and like i always tell everybody um is a big place we wear out a lot of horseshoes on this place we ride all the time <laughs> sometimes every day for days or months on end uh depends on what we're doing and fences this ranch the concerns he owns well the whole thing ours too but the concerns ranch is a lot of this country's rough and it's canyons and it's this and that so there aren't a lot of you know just big open fields there's a lot of smaller fields and they were fenced either the way that the ranch was originally in the early days put together this homestead or whatever some of it was due to fencing it to manage it and cows are lazy if you just had one big field they'd all be laying in one spot in the bottom of a canyon somewhere near the water that you know and that's the, so they're fenced so that we can manage it better the cattle will cover so a smaller field and when i say a smaller field i'm talking 400 acres it makes them feed over time so let's just say a year's time they'll feed that whole field whereas if it wasn't if it was one big field they may not ever go there you know in them rough spots these fences are old most of these fences are, are over 100 years old and when i say over i mean over you constantly are working on fence and like in the springtime when we're done branding or we're maybe things slow up a little we're constantly out working on going along fence somewhere putting in t-post replacing old wooden post putting in a little new wire here and there and like my dad always told me this ranch that we lease from the conservancy he always said this is an expensive ranch to run because of the ruggedness and the amount of fence and and what you got to do to manage it it makes it easier for somebody like us because we're right here i mean i can get on my horse saddle up at our barn at home climb on the horse and i could ride clean to the river if i want to the kasunas river work and do what i gotta do if something's wrong the advantage to have if you want me to blow my own horn uh, okay uh, the advantage of having somebody like us renting the ground is if something is wrong whether it's a fire or whether it's cattle out 
on a road somewhere, you know, fenced down, and or no matter what it is, we can be there within either anywhere from minutes to a, a 25 minutes. We've always got eyes on the place, and people up to no good. There's that happens everywhere. So yeah, we manage the land. For one thing, that's how we got the lease. My dad got the lease on this place. It was in 1970, outfit from Texas. Some real nice, rich people from Texas bought this for for speculation. And it was when Aerojet moved in down there in, in the, near Sacramento. Land value came up up here. And so they thought, you know, well, hey, we'll buy this piece here. And someday we'll we'll sell it for subdivision or whatever. They bought it from a rancher, and then they leased it. They rented it out, and they'd put it up for bid for I don't know it was maybe five years or something like that. They did that, and finally the manager of the place he was no rancher, you know, but he he just managed it for the family, and he lived in Auburn. He had so much trouble. They dumped. A bunch of cattle in here and it's just like i said they just dump them and go leave them they didn't want to have a full-time hired man's expensive and they you know maybe had other doings other places and well they constantly had cattle out the sheriff's department was calling the manager in the middle of the night the animal control was calling him they had cattle on highway 49 or in somebody's yard and he'd had it he goes, I'm done. And he went to my dad. My dad was probably 33 years old. He went to him because he knew him because they joined us. And he says, um, I want you guys to have this place. He goes, I like the way you take care of your own ranch and your own fences and everything. You need to take it. And my dad's like, Harold, I, I, he goes, we've got too much going on. I, I don't think I could swing this, you know, because the whole place with what the conservancy owns and what they got a contract on is, is close to 8,000 acres. He goes, we got too much of our own stuff going on. And he says, um, no, I want you to have it. You're going to have this. And well, they went back and forth. They had finally give in and said, okay, we'll, we'll do it. That's how we got it. Harold was pulling his hair out over what he was having to deal with and after my dad took over and we got a full-time hired man on the place and plus my dad and my grandpa and all those problems went away for the manager and that's why we've been here for 53 years I can say everybody that's that's owned this the cook outfit McEwen's Sokopolis and then now the Conservancy they've all let us operate like we own the ranch and that's how we treat it we just because we're here <laughs> we're on it every day it's all i've ever known my whole life we've had it all my life it's like home to me i mean this place i i there ain't a rock i don't know on this ranch i dearly dearly love it we've always just ran it like we own it pay us the money and leave us alone you just taking good care of it and i do have to say and I'm just being honest, when the Conservancy started buying it up, I was nervous because I didn't know what to expect, of course, what they were going to want or not want. I think it's been close to 10 years now mm-hmm. that they started buying pieces and putting it together. They've let us just operate like we own it. Never have tried to micromanage us because, you know, micromanaging, that doesn't work for anybody. And, and it isn't like we can say, well... 
we didn't mess this up. The, the last guy a couple years ago did it. We've had it for 53 years. We have to own everything you see. They've never had a, a real complaint or a request. They've treated us with nothing but respect. I really appreciate that with them. Anytime they've ever had oh, like a little field trip and they bring people down, I've been here working when everybody leaves for the day and they, these people come down and wanted to see and took a field trip with the Conservancy, you know, they a hike. And they come out and they go by me and they go, thank you, thank you. You you have such a beautiful ranch here. Thank you. Like we own it. And I really, really, truly appreciate that. They do a good job of, and they just show a lot of respect. And uh, Well, I think that's the thing that's fascinating to me, especially is that, I mean, it is in a way kind of strange bedfellows. And a long time people, you wouldn't think that environmentalists and ranchers would get along. And when I talk to ranchers now, they'll actually admit being environmentalists. But like, because you're just taking care of the land. And the whole purpose of this is to, I mean, obviously, you know, you're getting cows fed and then people fed. But then above that is to like preserving the biodiversity of this really really interesting and important landscape. Is there anything that, uh, on the way in, we drove and almost hit a couple of wild turkeys and then a couple deer. deer. Are there any natural, besides cows, any any other kind of creatures or that you get stoked on seeing when, when you're out here, knowing that it's being protected and preserved? There's, of course, the deer and the turkeys and, and coyotes, and all the wildlife, uh, bobcats and skunks and everything. But there's also mountain lions and, and bears now. I will say this, that when I was a kid, if somebody would have said they seen a bear on the ranch somewhere, it was like, oh, they're lying. <laughs> you know, that, there's no bears around. And now we have them, quite a few of them roaming around here. I've seen it all my life. I guess what you're asking is, you know, now that it's protected. Well, let me tell you something. I grew up on this place. It's all I've ever known. It's like home. I mean, it's it's literally sitting here like where we're talking. It's like sitting in my front or backyard at home. It just feels that way. There was a time when an outfit bought it, McEwen's bought it, and they were actually going to try to subdivide it. And now I look back and laugh and think, well, they could have never, never done it, you know. But they ended up just getting out from underneath it. During that time, you don't even have a clue of how that made us feel. It was like, it felt like the end of the world was coming to me, knowing that this country was going to be subdivided in two ways. One would affect us and our business, and the other was this land would be tore up. I mean, tore up. Blows my mind how some people could come out here. And I've literally been out here when those people have been here, speculators. Chopping it up. <laughs> and well, no, and they've been here holding maps and pointing these guys, and, you know, the kind with a cigar in their fingers and they're pointing and, you know, yep, yep, yep. You don't know how that makes you feel. <laughs> it's like somebody pointing at your house and saying, yeah, we're going to tear that down and put a gravel pit there, you know. I don't know how somebody can look at this, what we're looking at, and picture, you know, houses and golf courses and, you know. When we found out that it was going to be conserved, even though I was nervous at the time, I thought maybe we're out on our ear. But I was also relieved knowing that it was never going to be tore up. Oh, there's uh, bald eagles. 
there's you know uh, golden eagles or uh, whatever but there's eagles a guy a friend of ours old back in the i remember my brother and i were hunting with him <laughs> coon hunting he was running his dogs and in, in the winter time this is back in the mid 80s and and he was a you know older guy and older than my dad and he'd been around and surveying not for subdivisions but for relocating corners on different things he'd been all over and he'd been all over this ranch at times and he told us he goes you boys don't realize something he goes this ranch is more like it was 200 years ago than any other place i've been on or seen and that's the way it is just been untouched for the most part and one thing my family and this goes clean back to probably my great great grandparents my dad never liked to and my grandpa was this way boy you didn't tear up you didn't come in with a cat and go well we need to you know we need to build a better road here or something because we had the right to do whatever we wanted if we wanted to come in with our our own bulldozer and fix a big road or something like that <laughs> back in the day those speculators they're like hey more power to you go ahead you know and then it makes it better for us to get around and show the ranch and so yeah, I was on the road in here. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and uh, it's always been that way. But we like to keep, you can see this this little road right here in front of us is just a Jeep road. And most all the roads are pretty much like that. Well, I want to thank you for uh, meeting me and allowing me to come out here. And uh, yeah, thank you very much. Okay, you bet. There's always more details to all these stories. You can see photographs from our travels at our Instagram account, at CalCattle Country. You can always email me at ryan at calcattle.org. Please do. We love feedback. We'll be back with a new episode in two weeks. Thank you for listening.